Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we are back from the long break with Rebels Season 3, Episode 16, titled Legacy of Mandalore. Now, I don't believe we have any announcements today, so William, why don't you take us into the episode rundown? Sure. Uh, We are talking about Season 3, Episode 16, Legacy of Mandalore. It was written by Christopher Yost and directed by Mel Zwire. This episode takes place uh, immediately after the last one, even though we had a a three-week break. And in this episode, hoping to enlist her family to help the rebels, Sabine returns to her homeworld with Kanan and Ezra, but soon finds herself embroiled in her family's power struggle for Mandalore. So this one was a a very fun... Well, I don't know. I guess maybe not fun is the right word. A very... um, like the last one, maybe an emotional, more of an emotional episode in many ways, as uh, Sabine goes home for the first time, and after three seasons, we get to meet her her whole family. Uh, who, well, who most whole family, family most of the family. Yes, we get to meet her dad, but we get to meet her mom and her brother, uh, which was which was really great. I, I, I enjoyed that, um, especially especially the one moment a little bit into the episode when you know I, I love how they because. You know, They've talked about, see, she's barely talked about her family here and there. We got a lot more insight in the last episode. But I love the one moment in uh, in this episode where Ezra says, like, uh, she, she introduces, well, she's, well first she introduces, Sabine introduces Ezra, and he's like, hi, and they all point their blasters at him. <laughs> and But then later on, there's, like, a nice moment with Ezra and uh, her brother, Tristan, where he's like, or Ezra says, "You're Sabine's brother, huh? I don't even know. I didn't even know she had a brother. I mean, it's not like she didn't want to talk about you, but she just—I don't know. She just never really talked about you before. And it's so perfect because we've never actually heard Sabine talk about her brother. And so mm-hmm. I love they acknowledge that in mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. And Cannon just slaps him down, saying, "Ezra, less is more." <laughs> yeah, that is. That was probably one of the best, the best lines of the whole thing, right there. <laughs> it was so great. But anyway, we get the introduction of her family, which is which is really nice. And so the episode starts off with her returning to her homeworld uh, called Cronest. Uh, and she, Fen Rao and Kanan and Chopper are with them. And she's really worried about how they'll receive her. Well, uh, what, was, what did you think about? Yeah, Tom, I, I was going to say she was re- well received as any Mandalore coming Mando coming back to that situation basically being labeled a traitor where as soon as she makes, and this is pretty cool. She spoke Mando to announce that they were coming. So they wouldn't get I, shot down. I was wondering, is that, was that uh that, Mandoa as defined by Karen Travis or I believe it was Mandoa. Yep. My, my Mandoa is a little rusty. It's been probably about a decade since I taught myself a and, lot of it. Yeah. But, and what I found interesting is on Facebook, somebody posted the video that it had captions uh-huh. and it got to the point to where she was speaking Mando, and it does say in parentheses, speaking Mandoa. 
So they didn't <laughs> yeah. they didn't translate it. Uh, but it, oh, but it, said, could, it could. I was curious if it was not only supposed to be Mando, but also was the pronunciation not pronunciation, but like the language as laid down by Karen Travis, or if it was just. I think so. I don't. I, I, don't, I, don't I, I would have expected that level of detail from them because they're usually pretty good about it. But I, I and, would hope. I would really hope. Yeah. I, I. I am, as you guys know, I'm one of those that like the stories from Karen Travis, and I would. Wait, really wait, 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 Tom. Are you really? You like? I did not know you like Mandalorians. This. Yeah. This is news to me. You know, that's my I dog. Mean, your my name do- on Twitter is only Cal Scarada. So. I know, and and my dog's <laughs> name Sabine Wren. So what? What can I say? So yeah. Um, but you're right. I love that little moment. You know, and. And like, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't help that much because she she's a little concerned about how she's going to be received. And as soon as as the the Mandalorians appear, and on any planet, typically if you arrive, they'll send some you know ships out to greet you, an escort. Uh, yeah, and escort you down, especially when they're a little bit hostile. Not on Mandalore or Kronos, as this planet is named. In this case, the Mandalorians just sent out some jetpack Mandalorians to escort you down. Well, not just that. After, they not, they yeah, fired the missiles. The yeah, they, they fired yeah. the missiles. They, they pulled a gun on Chopper. And then on top of yeah, that... Yeah, I, I love how he put his hands up. Yeah. Yeah, and then, then, they, <laughs> then they shot out... Um, what? They, they shot out thrusters or something to where it ended up crash landing on the planet, which I have to say, I have... The, the last time I saw a... And this is going to sound really weird. The last time I saw a really cool crash like that was when they destroyed the Enterprise in one of the Star Trek Next Generation movies. Uh, I'm sorry, that was a that was a really cool crash with with the snow environment going through the trees. Yeah. That was, was. beautifully done. It was. Yeah. The whole the whole planet is, is really nice. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But um I, I just love how how immediately the, the Mandalorians appear with their jetpacks, attack the ship it's just such a such a uh, a cool and a little bit scary scene, like to know she's coming home. Like her family controls Cronest, or at least this part of Cronest where they're going, and they're shooting her down. But, okay, a little, but, uh, it's a little scary. But in this respect, what what do you think they could have done it differently? Knowing her backstory, do you think no. they would not have done it? Oh no, yeah, that, it, it was sense. the right story. It's it was. Just... It's just it's just thinking about it like, wow, if I went home and my family's soldiers, not that they have soldiers, but my family's soldiers like tried to shoot me down. It's a little scary. Well, I think she kind of I don't know. Well, if I've been to your house. I'm pretty sure there was at least a couple of things like that. <laughs> of armed soldiers <laughs> escorting. Oh, you sorry, no, that, was, that was your apartment. I can only assume like your actual <laughs> home would be significantly more armed. You, you know, uh, you know, from, from from a father perspective, I would hate to be the guy who wants to date to date her. If that's the kind of reception she has going back to her home planet, just think about the guy at some point that's going to want to date her. Have to go through something like that? I don't think so. I'm I'm like, no. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting, though, because Filoni talks about uh, about Cronest in Rebels Recon. And he says, Cronest is one of many territories in the Mandalorian territory. There's over like a thousand neutral worlds. So this is just one of many. It's not Mandalore, obviously, but uh, it's it's in that that system and Sabine's family have lived on the planet for a long time. Um, you know, some, some clans and houses are, are, are more Mandalorian or rightfully Mandalorian than others. Think, uh, you know, house Vizsla, they're very Mandalorian versus, um, the Wren family. They were, their planet at least, and presumably the, you know, Wren's way back in the day 
their, their ancestors were conquered by Mandalore and thus are loyal to House Vizsla. Um, but they're not, uh, they're not necessarily true Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I mean, we, we dig a lot more into the Mandalorian culture in this episode and I, I really want to see uh, a political thriller almost with uh, with the Mandalorians. And I would disagree with that. No, <sighs> I so I had some issues with this episode. Okay. With namely, uh, sorry, I had one issue with this episode. And don't get me wrong, very much enjoyed the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gar Saxon might m- be the most like ineffective dictator I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. Yes, all my minions are doing exactly what I want them to do. How can I repay their loyalty? I know I'll kill them. Okay. I mean, well, okay. Okay. Not only that, they are turning over and betraying their own family for me. mm -hmm. That takes a lot of guts. I know I'll kill them. I think just to show the loyalty. He, I think, I don't think he ever wanted to, uh, I don't think he's ever liked the Wrens. And so, honestly, I think he, he was using this as an excuse just to take them out. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not that oh they're they're doing what I say. It's oh they're doing what I say, uh, but I don't care because I want them gone. Okay, but did right? he do the Just same thing with, with the protectors ben of Rao Concord Dawn? Yeah, yeah. Ben Rao's protectors, uh, right? He if he that was his plan, the, called them traitors and took them out. If that was his plan, it was very poorly executed. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was he, ultimately his plan. I think he seized the opportunity. Well, that's what I mean is inside of the. Uh, when they're in the throne room at the end of the episode, and we're skipping way ahead, yeah, he was not acting like he was that like he was prepared to betray all of them. He expected them to fall do like go ahead with whatever he was doing. Like hence the reason he offered for Tristan to join him and things like that. It's like mm, that maybe not the best idea. Okay, but anyway, uh, we're skipping very very far ahead. We should cover the beginning of the episode before I explain yeah. more about yeah. that. Speaking of the Mandalorians, though, you notice their armor is all gray. Um, her her family has colored armor, but most of the Mandalorians here are gray, and that's because uh, Dave Filoni really wanted to show how the life has been sucked out of these Mandalorians. Uh, they're just serving the Empire. You got the same feel for the planet. The, you got the same feel for the planet too. I mean, it was mm-hmm. an ice planet. It was cold. They there. It's it's almost like we are going to banish you to the furthest region regions, and this is where you're going to have to live. And naturally, well, that was their home, though. What? I don't know. It looked really nice. Well, it was nice, yeah, thought, but like I, I would like, be a cool place to live. Oh well, <laughs> I did not get a sense they were banished there. Okay, no. well, I don't I know. Mean, I, like, I guess, it, I, guess I took it the wrong it's way. It's a snowy alpine aesthetic, right? But I love the look. It actually reminded me of um, recently. I went somewhere not too far out of Seattle. It looked very similar to that. Um, I guess the but, way, uh, I guess where I was going with it is it was a barren. Yes, it was beautiful. Yes, it had trees. But when you take a look at the white with the gray, it almost felt like it was barren. Yes, it was probably a cool place to live. But even their stronghold was gray, and everything around right. it was it is, white. It is a lot it of was, gray and white. Yeah, aesthetically, it, 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 it may not be. It was neutral. For them, it might not be. Yes, for them, it might not be um, a bad place to live. Right. But the colors give you the sense. Yeah. Because of the just like the, they use, you know, the reds in on Mustafar or, mm-hmm. or whatever to to signify that the place is bad, even though the place might might not be inherently bad. Mm-hmm. But it's just the way that they, they use color. Right. Uh, I, I I can see that. 
Um, but I do love like the fact that they have this 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 frozen lake with all the the trees and the are covered in snow. And the snow didn't look super didn't like look exactly like snow. You could tell it was animated. Um, it was no know, like, frozen. <laughs> it just didn't look like necessarily. Uh, it just didn't look like as fluffy or snowy, you know, like fresh snow, maybe like older snow. I don't know. I'm, I'm not an animator. I'm having trouble describing exactly what I'm trying to say, but it didn't look 100% like snow, but it, it was looked really nice, I thought. Yeah. Oh, still good. And the uh, their, 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 their main building, uh, the compound, uh, with like the giant glass, like very boxy building with the giant glass uh, walls and stuff. Looked I really liked that building. It felt... So we had the Mandalorians and the Clone Wars, and this felt very... Uh, I almost want to say derivative of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like you... You could tell the the culture was the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. In fact, it very much reminded me of the episode on Mandalorian. I was gonna look it up, oh. and I forgot where um where they're all fighting in the in that throne room with Pre Vizsla, uh, where um Satine dies. Oh. Yeah, yeah I'm it, trying to remember that. I'm trying to remember which exactly which episode was, you know, was a while ago, but it reminded me of that one mm-hmm. in many ways, and it looks straight out of a Bond movie in many mm-hmm. ways. Uh, also, well, the other thing about it, I know we were we were getting it the the feel, but and everything being sparse and and even interior where the throne room was, even the portrait of her was very muted and gray, and even when you take a look at everything around it, there was only like one big dining room table that was in the background. Yeah. And it was just fun, like, fun. Uh-huh. yeah, there was, there was really, it's like just nothing. Yeah. Fun, fun fact. Uh, the, the interior of the room is based on the old Lucasfilm animation campus at Big Rock Ranch, uh, which is right next to Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. That, that table nice actually is the exact table that the writers used to sit around coming up with story ideas for future seasons. Oh, that is cool. Uh, yeah, and so like they, they they use that as an influence for this building, mm-hmm. and then the painting of Ursa Wren is based on the works of Gustav Klimt, yes, who is one of George Lucas's favorite artists. Yeah, so it's like I, I love the little the little touches. Like if you you know if you've been to Big Rock or you worked on the team, it's like oh that's that's the room where we did all of our story treatments for for many years. Uh, I don't know if it was quite that spacious or not at Big Rock, but mm-hmm. uh, I love the little little details like that makes well, a lot of fun to to get back to we're jumping all over the place but to get back to more toward the beginning after the ship crashes i mean you have to say there is a nice little detail when and, and this is very funny you know they exit the phantom 2 and the mandalorians come up and i just love i, I love kanan turning to ezra and saying now remember or no i'm sorry it was it was sabine who turns to Ezra and says, now remember, I could be related to the, these guys. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like, here's Ezra. Oh, don't worry. I'll play nice. Yeah. Like, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yeah, Ezra pulling a lightsaber on people is real nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I did like how he instantly pulled the lightsaber as soon as they raised their blasters. Not a smart idea, Ezra. But, like, it's a good point that we have to remember this is her family, and mm-hmm. while we while we meet her brother and her mother in this episode, there's no reason why these other troopers, like, maybe they're cousins or other distant relatives, and so everyone they kill 
anyone they injure or hurt is potentially a relative of Sabine's. And so it kind of raises the stakes for any any battle here. Mm-hmm. Which which is tough. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, I, I did still like the moment. Now, Thankfully Well uh-huh. I yeah, I was gonna ask, when her name is said, was it Tristan that is the first one to pop up his ear pop up the ears that it was Sabine said, or was it one of the other Mandalorians? I think it, I, it was, I believe it was Tristan. Okay, that's it what was. I thought too. It was after Anakin deflected. Oh, sorry, Anakin. Wow. Yeah, after Ezra <laughs> deflected a blaster bolt at Tristan and mm-hmm. hit him. Again, what did Sabine say? But yeah, you know, play nice, or it's like you know, I could be related to these guys. Ah, <sighs> has got a lot to learn. So, um, but no, he he does he does recognize Sabine's name. It's interesting he doesn't recognize her armor, but maybe she's customized it so much or whatever. But he recognizes her name yeah. and immediately puts down his weapons and introduces himself. You know, and and they have a a little uh, moment where they're they're finally reunited after all these years. And mm-hmm. I, I love how the first thing he says was, "You changed your hair again." <laughs> yeah, <sighs> like, or no. two or three. Which also is kind of a callback to The Force Awakens in some ways. Really? Uh, really? Um, you know, like, you know, you, you know, the same Wait. jacket? No, new jacket. You know, it's like, that's the first thing uh, they, uh, they, they mention uh, when they see each other. A little bit jacket. of a stretch, I think, but... Okay, maybe. There, there's yeah, some more callbacks that are more uh, to other, other films later in the episode. Yeah. But, uh... But anyway, so they escort, uh, Tristan escorts the group, uh, minus Fenrau, who stayed behind the ship to, to hide mm-hmm. to the Ren compound. And we get and, a moment between... And let's not forget, Chopper Tristan. stayed behind as well. Oh, yes, you're right. You're yeah. Right. And, and we get a moment between Sabine and Tristan where... And there, there's a lot of these in the, in the episode where Sabine's like asking, how could you join these rebels, right? And uh, he just tells her that she shouldn't have come back. And that's when, um, that's when Sabine's mother appears at the top of the steps, Countess Ursa Wren, who is played by Sharmila Devar, and um, her brother Tristan is played by Ritesh Rajan, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and er, Countess Ursa Wren appears, and and this was, were you expecting her to say to to immediately demand that Sabine be thrown in a cell for trial? It was pretty close. I mean, I guess they did fire on them and then have a shootout with them. So I guess it makes sense. But still, like, wow, what a what a warm welcome. It's a warm welcome. But (laughs) throwing her in a cell, throwing her in a cell may not have been that, I don't know, may not have been that bad of an idea because who's to say? Well, she did end up turning on her later in the episode. Well, not on her, but on Kanan and Ezra. Yeah, she may have done it to possibly say to protect her, but you never know. But hey, it's Mandalore. Could have yep. been, a, could have been so. the Mandalore way. Yeah, and and at least uh, <laughs> I also liked how you know when when Sabine says, "Well, that went better than I expected," Ezra says, "That's that was better." So yeah, you know, again, that's basically what our reaction here was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, so they, they, they walk inside the building 
And you know, after she introduces everyone and, and pulls out the Darksaber, the, the situation really changes. She's like, okay, you know what? We're actually not going to throw you in the cell. And your friends can stay if they give up their weapons, which they they do. They head inside, and we get this moment between Ursa and Sabine um, where they're they're talking uh, in this the throne room, for lack of a better word. And I think that's the right word. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I don't know because I don't feel like the Wrens really. I don't know if it's like I don't know would they have like audiences there and stuff, but uh, it is similar. Anyway, sorry, I, I'm. I'm rambling here, but they we get some backstory. A lot of it is this episode is backstory, really. And they talk about how the Darksaber is a symbol and it's managed to unite all the Mandalorians in the past, even though um, Ursa thinks it's, you know, it, it's kind of pointless. Well, you have to remember, at this point, they haven't seen the Darksaber in Eons. What, 15, yeah. 15 years. Yeah, since and and I imagine they probably don't look back on Maul with a, a whole lot of... Fondness. Yeah. Man, you remember that time we let ourselves get led by a Sith Lord and went to war and it was kind of awful and then our planet got invaded? That was fun. Yeah, th- that was, those were good times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Tom? Um, what The thing that I found interesting was, yeah, she looks at sorry blanked um <laughs> that's fine no worries yeah the, the um, thing i wanted to ask go ahead I, I wanted to get your thoughts on tom actually is so we there's a lot of exposition in this scene right we mm-hmm. we find out that um after sabine left it was all that ursa could do to keep the other clans from destroying uh clan wren tristan ended up serving gar saxon or to prove the clan's loyalty and regain a little bit of their status, but not much. Um, but in this case, Tristan refers to Gar, Gar Saxon in a very interesting way. Did you catch what he called? Yes, Gar? I did. Yes, I did. Oh, I missed this. I oh. I caught it. I caught it quick. He called uh-huh. him the Emperor's hand. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I I caught oh. that in a, in a heartbeat. <laughs> so that is something that it appears uh, has been brought forward from the old legends from the well, universe. Well, okay. Unless, but... unless now it just is generically the emperor's representative on the planet. But in it, this it case, could, it could be Filoni just messing with us and saying, Oh, he's a, the representative of the empire. Like you said, mm-hmm. so he's the hand of the emperor, but well, hang on. Playing, let me play devil's advocate, okay, advocate play for a moment. It, play it, play it. Let's, okay. assume it, let's assume for a moment we're going to have season four of Rebels. Mm-hmm. I think okay. that's probably fair at this point to assume. I think so. Never... No announcement, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure. So let's let's start there. Now, you're Dave Filoni. You're thinking, okay, well, we, we did Thrawn in season three. Mm-hmm. What can and we did do Maul, that way? And they we did, did Maul. Mm-hmm. What can we do that would top those characters? What about Mara Jade? Okay. So you know yeah, and this is one of those things. Would they go that far? So they yes and no, because they wouldn't be going that far. All you have to do is show her in the service of the Empire. There's no guarantee that she's gonna end up with Luke or any of the stuff that we associate with her. Mm-hmm. Well, but you know if people would flip. Well, okay, <laughs> oh, sure. Okay, no, but... wait a minute. Wait a minute. People would flip because at the end of episode seven, it looked like he was standing by a tombstone. 
Yeah, yeah, but okay, that's a different thing, though. I know that's a different story. So there's, anyway, but you could have my point is you could have Mara Jade as the Emperor's hand without requiring uh, any sort of stuff, relationship, with, any of this stuff with Luke, mm-hmm. basically. Possible. And he's just laid the groundwork by mentioning that the Emperor's hand is a position that exists. But it could also yeah. have been not to totally again play devil's advocate, but it could have just been a quote unquote throwaway line. Well, I don't. I, that's not something they do accidentally. Okay, I know that's yeah, something exactly. that they do either intending to tease fans just to mess with just to mess with them purely okay. as like a <laughs> okay. have fun with this one. Okay, now or now, go ahead. Or it's coming. Okay, but all but rem- remember this: I am. Always the guy that says, if you call attention to something, you gotta use it later. Yeah, but this I don't think counts. This is a one-line reference that is very easy to miss. For those people not paying attention and know the expanded universe like we do, I totally agree. I'm just saying, I I could see a world where they are not trying to make... This wasn't meant to be a big deal. Right. But, and honestly, that's that's where I'm leaning right now. I, I, I'm not assuming we're gonna see Mara Jade. Oh, neither am I. I, I would, I would well, actually would be awesome. against it ever happening. You, you know what be you know what be even. I just feel like it opens up too many cans of worms. Like Thrawn how? is one thing. How? How? Oh, that, because she's because too Thrawn established is, character. Yes, Thrawn and, and is she, also an established character, uh-huh. but Thrawn dies in the expanded universe. He is. Three or uh, he's got four or five books that are Thrawn books, uh-huh. right? And that's it. He's an established military leader. Got it. And, okay. and there's not a lot that he does. I mean, he he does a lot, but he he doesn't like significantly change our main heroes and have like a lot of baggage. Any of the baggage that comes along with him could mm, still yeah. be worked into the new canon. Versus, uh. Mara Jade, who's like main the the one of the main things about her, aside from her being the Emperor's hand, is that she eventually becomes Luke's wife. Yep. Right. Okay. I see where you're going. Uh, and they get married. And so, like, as soon as you bring that in, people are gonna be like, "Oh, is Luke gonna get married to her?" And it just opens up that whole thing. And if she does, if they'd never even meet or get married, people will be upset, or they'll be, you know, reverse with Thrawn. Like, as long as he's a brilliant technician, tactician who's like mm-hmm. high up in the in the Empire. They can pretty much do anything with him. Yep. So maybe well, they do. Okay, hang on. Maybe Let me. Put, I'm gonna, hang on. I'm gonna put my tinfoil hat on again. Go ahead. Uh, we do have the Thrawn novel coming up, written by <laughs> Timothy, Zahn. Uh, Timothy Zahn. Yep. Uh-huh. Who was also the one who introduced Mara Jade. Yes. If they wanted to reintroduce her in a novel, he'd be one of the ones to do it. Just another. Anyway, we can move yes, on because and the chances the novel, of this happening are uh, very small. Actually, okay. no, I don't think I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Here's okay. why. Oh no, uh, the novel comes out. Okay. The novel comes out four or no, two days before, three days before um, uh, celebration. That's pretty. Wow. I think they would they would reveal it at celebration and then have. If she was in the book, uh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't introduce her in the book. Yeah. Right before celebration, they would have pushed the book release date back. I agree. Okay. So so let's go speculation here, um, because there's like so many plants within the Mandalorian system, and there's so many clans within the Mandalore's culture. 
yep. do you think they'd throw a bone to people and put Cal Scarada out there? No. Hey. No. Damn. Darn. Sorry. Darn. Anyway, we're so we're yeah. way off track now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the point is, they reference the Emperor's hand, which yep. was awesome. It was great. We don't know if it means anything else or if it's just purely a reference. Regardless, I don't know yeah. if it's like Emperor's hand, the title, or Emperor's hand, the meaning that they are a servant of the empire and it's not a title. Uh, it's a description, not a title, but either way, very cool. Love that Tristan called on that. Also, if he is an emperor's emperor's hand, as you mentioned, Stephen, he could use a little, a little bit of work. I thought the emperor's hands are supposed to be a little more dangerous and scary than that. <laughs> very, very true. Well, he was like the inquisitors. You know, he comes, intimidates, they get defeated, and then another one comes and takes his place. Yeah. Speaking of which, and again, a little off topic, but we haven't seen any quizzers in a long time. No, we haven't. And I think that's because... Uh, have we seen any quizzers this season? I don't think so, no. It's all been Thrawn, and I I wonder, like, why did they just fall off the face of the galaxy? Because they all died. But, like, what happened to them? I want to know more about how they were raised and, like, well, we kinda, why? What, 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 were the, what was their goal? I don't okay. know. But we kind of got maybe a little hint of how they were, quote-unquote, raised when the Inquisitors went after those fourth, uh, Force-sensitive yes. children. Yes. So what, but, why? What was their purpose? Why are they named that way? There's a bunch of questions. One thing I've been pondering lately is I feel like the new canon introduces a ton of questions that they've been very slow to answer very I mean, that's, slow. that's been the definition of the new canon i would say yeah like let's open a bunch of like a hundred thousand different questions and answer them over the course of years that works yeah. for me because that way there's plenty of storytelling i feel like there's almost too many mysteries though like even like what is this you know one of the big things we find out in like one of the previous aftermath books like there's something on jakku Mm-hmm. Right, but we don't know what's on Jakku, and they're just leaving it there for a long time. It's a MacGuffin, or uh, or what is Luke up to, or uh, you know, what are these Inquisitors, and why are yeah, I don't know. I could I could go on. There's a, there's a there's a I, what the, what happened to the whole Mandalorian culture is yep. another big one. Some of it's for ongoing story plot points, mm-hmm. uh, and some of it is not. Like um, yeah, there's also. Um, you know, a lot of the the tie-ins to, and I, I guess it's it's still, I guess in some cases it's still so early because mm-hmm. like Rogue One just came out. So how are we supposed to know um, what happened to, uh, you know, various various characters? But mm-hmm. I don't well, know. well, then I'm I'm still going to throw this out here. I still think in in some respects, you still have to have some mysteries when it comes to the characters. So that way oh, yes. somebody can fill in a backstory. But there's a difference between like not like there's a difference between not describing exactly what happened to a character from the moment they were born to the moment they died. Right. Or saying, like here's all their backstory and like strongly hinting at something and just mm. not telling you like there's I, something going on here. Moving on. Hey, Chuck Wendig did I, that in the first novel when it came to the people, the, the, the folks who ended up getting Darth, vader's lightsaber that one little well that wasn't that was intentional though i think but that still drives me nuts i was gonna say this is this is what happens i think when you have a unified canon like we have now 
because uh, if you think back, the old model for the EU for this was, you know, we're going to tell the stories we want to tell. And probably, I'm going to say maybe even 25% of the time, we're just going to find out, oh, something else that Lucas or we wanted to do interferes with that. Therefore, we'll, we'll find some way to make it work. Mm -hmm. And what they've moved away from that approach, the approach now is we want everything to just work. But that means we're never going to get into too much detail because, well... You never know when we might need that detail instead mm -hmm. for something else. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, it's it's a different approach. But yep. anyway, uh, minor thing, but uh, just something I've been noticing a trend of recently. Unfortunately, I don't have any specifics. Some are related to... <coughs> oh. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Oh jeez, I'm. I clicked the. Oh no. I could have swore I hit the mute button. That's okay. It's okay. Well, to all our so listeners, funny. that was me sneezing. I'm very sorry. I was like, okay, he's gonna do it live. <laughs> I could have swore. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Stephen. I can explain it away. Because uh, of this episode took place in on okay. a, a snowy planet. You caught yourself a cold by standing on the balcony. Yeah, that is exactly yes. what it is. I'm filming. We're recording live on location <laughs> on the planet. Uh, on it was gonna be kind of a, on Cronus. Yeah, this, it was gonna be kind of a surprise. We're gonna reveal to the end somehow through audio, even though you can't see us. Well, we we were but, part of the, we were part of the Mandos. We were part of of Clan uh, Clan Red. Hey, so let's they not get see our faces. no no no. Hey, Jedi. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so, speaking so the, of that balcony, yeah, though, that, that balcony. we're supposedly on. While we're standing on it, we overheard Sabine uh, talking to her mother about why they aligned with the Empire. And again, we get a lot more exposition. Uh, Ursa said she didn't have a choice. Mandalore is on its knees, and they could either side with the Empire or be destroyed. And apparently, what? uh huh. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, you, go I ahead. think you had a, a question about uh, about that point. I was going to say, I just, I really like this scene as a whole. We go uh -huh. from the throne room scene where I felt like I was like, wow, Ursa's being really, really cold to Sabine. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you kind of switch to this scene and she's still cold, but you can tell that like, okay, there, there is a part of her that is the leader of clan Ren and knows, has to do, is doing what she has to do to survive, which mm -hmm. is kind of what she's explaining to Sabine in, in this scene. And there's a part of her that is incredibly loyal to her family and is very focused on that. Yeah, and she's trying to do to do both. And you really start to understand, like, why they're working with the Empire. You know, Mandalore as a whole was on its knees after, you know, what happened with Maul and the Empire took over. And really, they had a choice. They could either side with the Empire or be destroyed. And uh, to, to help them make their decision, the, uh, the Empire actually effectively captured Sabine's father. He's on Mandalore and but he's, you know, a captive in everything but name. Mm -hmm. And if Clan Ren tries to attack their work against the Empire, they'll kill her father. And and that's why, you know, they, they kinda have to side with the Empire. And I'm surprised that Sabine doesn't know this. But maybe they I don't know if they kept it from her or or what. I wonder if I don't know because she was working for the Empire, so she she should have known. Right. But clearly she didn't in this case because it, there's a couple times where she starts to – I feel like there's this back and forth where she's like, I'm going to – she accuses her mom of something. Mm -hmm. And then her mom 
explains and provides a perfectly rational, in most cases, explanation for what happened, right? You sided with the Empire. Yeah, we didn't have a choice. Your father's kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why I, didn't you try looking for me? Well, you know, you by saved running away, yourself. you put yourself, you saved yourself, you yeah. put yourself in danger. If I looked for you, you would be in trouble. Uh, so as much as I wanted to see you, I knew it was better that you were on your own. Like, you know, was like, I, I wonder if Sabine, because do we know how old Sabine was at the time she left? I thought she was supposed to be like 14 or 16 at the beginning of Rebels, right? 16, I think, at the beginning of Rebels. Is and she, so, she just left? Wow. Uh, no, because she, thinking back, she went to the I Imperial Academy, and then she left, became a bounty hunter for a while, and then left that, and then became a rebel. I I wonder if she didn't realize... Um like that her father was imprisoned i could very much see it as like oh yeah you know he's just on mandalore doing right. he's doing work well like that's just where he is now i mean i think that makes sense especially because as they said he's not in a cell right he's walking around okay but he's a, he's he he's effectively in prison um if not literally mm-hmm. yeah uh, and and so maybe when she was younger she could they could spin it like oh he's just doing work there but and maybe they even kept it from the rest of the family. Possible. Uh, to to keep everybody safe. I don't know, but it's just you feel bad for everybody. The thing that I found fascinating about the whole conversation was that her father married into the Wren family. That, mm-hmm. to me, still kind of gets that little bit of Karen Travis. Because when it came to yep, – there, I said it again. When it came to her Mandalorian culture, technically anybody could be a Mando you can be brought into that family. And mm-hmm. this is the same thing with her father. Her father married into it, into a, basically married into being a Mandalorian and took the name of the Rand clan. Well, yeah, that's an interesting point because they don't say that he's not a Mandalorian. Correct. Um, but the Ren clan was much more powerful. And so he did take the Ren name when he married Ursa. Okay, so uh, so let me flip this on the other side to where maybe... He is a Mandalorian, but he was from a clan that wasn't had a stronger name as wasn't that's, as strong as the Wrens. Is that how you guys read it? Because I read it the opposite. Yes. That's, yeah, that's okay. what I would assume. All right, I yeah. read it the opposite way because again, I read the Karen Travis books. So, okay, but but it shows like you know they they I think family is very important to the Mandalorian. Yes. So as we find out, as we see a lot of in this episode. Mm-hmm. And um, and and power as well, right? And and so I think that's why that happened. Um, <laughs> Ursa's incredulous reaction was was funny when she immediately assumed that Sabine won the dark saber in combat mm-hmm. from Maul. Yeah, um, that was fun. And then she, she's kind of like, oh, okay. When she finds out that Sabine actually just uh, you know picked up the 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 weapon after uh, after the initial fight, although. Like Sabine did wield the the dark saber. She was under. She was like possessed by a night sister, but she did wield the dark saber mm-hmm. uh, against um, against Ezra and Maul. Briefly. Right. Um, but how she so. actually got it was almost as if, well, I found it on the floor and picked it up, and walked away. With yeah, it. basically. Yeah. I don't think she could say like, well, I was possessed by a night sister, and I grabbed the 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 dark saber. Fought my friends, 
dropped it when I was pushed outside of the cave where the, and the night sister was forced outside my body. And then when I came to, I walked back inside the cave and picked up the dark saber. Okay. Now that probably wouldn't have worked as well. No, her know, mother would have looked at her happened. and said, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but as I said, you know, that anyone can hold the dark saber. The trick is, is keeping it and, and wielding it, uh, which is a nice callback to the previous episode where she had to learn how to, mm-hmm to wield it it's just that was such a good episode well then on top Love of that, that she also had to learn to keep her head as well mm-hmm. so exactly exactly you know um and and, and uh, yeah like we we're saying everything is about family for the mandalorians everything ursa mm-hmm. has done has been for her family even some some really uh horrible things on the surface right um uh, like sabine pleads her mother to join the rebels and 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 gives her the dark saber and says she trusts. Uh, Sabine says she trusts her mother, uh, and that her, she has to trust her Sabine in return. And what does she do? She immediately goes and goes off into a into a secret room and calls Gar Saxon. Uh, of course, that's the first thing that happens. Well, you knew there had to be uh, a maybe plot Gar, Gar twist. Saxon called her, but sorry, Tom. There had to be a plot twist. Had to. Yeah. Yeah. And she alerts Gar Saxon to the presence of the rebels on Mandalore in exchange for protection for Clan Ren and her family. Again, you know, she's doing it for her family, right? Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, you gotta feel bad for her. Uh, you gotta feel bad for Sabine, for Sabine mm-hmm. and Urs. Yeah. The fact that, you know. Well, she betrayed her own sister. I mean, she betrayed her own daughter. Yeah. For her family to protect her. Right. But she still betrayed her. Right. Okay, so here's uh, no we can't jump can't jump further. Sorry. Um <laughs> Anyway. So No, it, it, unfortunately though, it, it you know, it doesn't it doesn't work out because Fen Rao, he during this whole this whole thing, he actually sneaks outside of the Phantom 2 and we find out that um and that's the Phantom number 2, not 200. Uh we find out that apparently uh, the the compound security is not that good because he manages to sneak right into the building <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and listen in on important conversations. Yeah. yeah, he overhears Ursa's conversation with Gar Saxon, steals the lightsabers, and then immediately um, takes out a guard. To, just easily. Yeah, takes out a guard. Punches and him, punches him in the helmet and knocks him out. Okay. Yeah, really, he's wearing that's, like a, a, that's a heck of a punch to knock out a guy wearing a helmet. It's true. It's true. Very he's true. trying to help. For that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Sabine and Tristan are doing some sparring practice, and you know he he talks more about how he wants to restore his family's name and protect their father. Again, you know they lost everything in the capital. And I got a very um, the way he talks while he's doing the fight felt very similar to the last episode where he's like, mm-hmm. I lost everything mm-hmm. my power uh, the capital respect our money right it's the same way she says almost a, a, a very same mm-hmm. thing um i lost everything my mother my brother right uh, just the cadence and, the, and the, the emotion behind it uh and that's when tristan tells sabine again lots of exposition here but very important exposition that her mother is trading the jedi for her safety and uh of course, Sabine is not going to have any of that. And no. so she runs to the throne room. Mm-hmm. Where 
Gar Saxon arrives in, I think, what is probably, Stephen, your favorite moment of the episode? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I suppose. Worked out pretty well. Uh, well, not for Gar well, and his men, but... Well, yeah. yeah. But just... It, yeah. This is where Gar is like, okay. So, you know, your mother has agreed to turn over the Jedi to me. Uh, she's done everything I've asked, but she's consorted with traitors in order to do it. And I assume she's talking about Sabine in this case, right? Or is it that she I had think, to like, think meet the with the Jedi to capture... Oh, I think both. I think the yeah, fact I think that Sabine both. is there and the rebels are there means that she consorted with criminals. And I think, honestly, I think it's just an excuse to take out the Rens. Yeah. He, well, if that was his plan, he should have planned a lot better. <laughs> he also should have brought more men, in my opinion, because he didn't bring much. Well, I was trying to... So this is one of the things that I found a little confusing in the episode. Did all... Who was on his side in the throne room? Did they were some the, of the white... Anybody soldiers. who was wearing the white. gray soldiers yes. and the white soldiers. And the gray were clan red, clan red. and only right. the white. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember I was, I was having trouble picking they up on a this. Bit more contrast. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, so did some of like the red soldiers actually turn on? That's no. impressive. Okay. That makes a little more sense. But no. yes, his plan was either to wipe out the red family, in which case he came woefully ill prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, or he just decided halfway through that he was going to throw his uh, fellow clanmates under the bus and go from there. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I do, and I do think, I do think he he decided uh, fairly late in the game, uh, maybe on his way or once he arrived, that this was a, the perfect time, the perfect excuse for him to take out the Rens once and for all. You can imagine they're kind of a thorn in his side, and he can't just outright kill them because you yeah. start outright and killing them without an excuse. Uh, the Mandalorians eventually will will rise up and and you know go well, after. Either way, I thought this was a good, a poor way to hold on to his power. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. as we find out, it didn't didn't work out too well for him. But um, but but first, we get this really after after Ursa betrays you know the Sabine, uh, even though she's doing it to protect Sabine. Uh, that that hurt already, and then. Uh, Saxon talks to Tristan, you know, and says, "You have a choice: stand with me or die with your family." And he turns his blaster on Sabine, and you can just see her heart fall. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And, it's a good animation. Yeah, and for a minute, like I thought, "Wow, he really did. Uh, he really did betray her." And that's when he turns around, points his blaster at Gar Saxon, and said, "And says, I choose family." And like a good Mandalorian. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, good. He's 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 not as bad as He's angry, uh, but he's not stupid. Yes, exactly. He's really trying to do the right thing. And that's when Saxon declares that Clan Ren ends here. And before you know it, Fenrau breaks through the window, throws Cannon as with their lightsabers, and we get a really nice fight, I thought. I enjoyed it in the uh, in the throne room. It was a, it was a good mm-hmm. fight, but I also like Kanan's line where he goes, "You know, it's about time." Because like it 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 uh, it was good timing though. Yeah, so sorry that you just jogged my memory on something that it's actually only per, uh, peripherally related to this episode. I really so at the end of the last the was it last season? Yeah, I guess it was last season when Kanan gets mm-hmm. blinded. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, 
and we've had a couple we had the first couple episodes kind of dealt with it and since then Kanan is effectively not different in any way mm-hmm. <laughs> like I because there was a lot of moments when like they're in the snow where I'm just like Kanan has no idea like other than what he can feel through the force he can't he doesn't like he's acting like he can see everything but he can't right huh I I really wish they had done more with Kanan's and his lack of sight. Right, because I I think I, yeah. I I think I see where you're going with this because you do hear Sabine yell. Remember, only blast the guys in white. So and that, that <laughs> yeah, was part of it. Yeah, but it, yeah. It's like, there's it struck me early on in the episode, and it's you know so Dave oh. Filoni obviously worked on the Last Airbender, who had a fantastic blind character in Toph, mm-hmm. um, and just where. The blindness was a core part of the character. There were every, almost everything. Every episode made it feel right, and I I feel like we were, were missing that with mm. Kanan. And I mean, and you, you, you could argue, uh, you could argue that he has the Force, and therefore he is at while he can't see, he's not quite at as at as much of a disadvantage sure. mm-hmm. as your normal. And, and I'm, would be. I'm okay with that aspect of it. I just, I guess it's, I don't know. It, but why I, make it at that point, you know? Okay. But pardon the pun, I see your point. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then it gets back to suspension of disbelief. It's one of the things in which, at this point, he's got his force abilities so tuned and so honed that he can do this. Because you also have to look at it this way. I still go back to... He's kind of a takeoff of the character that was in the Force, uh, the Force Unleashed, where you had Rom Koda be a blind mm-hmm. Jedi general. So it, the same thing happens here. He was completely blind. Kanan's completely blind. So he's got to have those Force abilities so honed he can do this. Yeah. Anyway, though, back to the actual episode. I love the scene where uh, I was about to say Ezra. Where Sabine and uh, Gar Saxon go flying out the window and crash into the snow. Yes. It was, and the glass, I lo- that cut to the outside and then having the glass break, it was one of those things where it's like, this is, it's, you might as well have been in an animated movie with much higher production values than Rebels has. You know what made it, it was work? It's not well done. And, and you know what made it work? There was no sound effects at all when they went to the outside. Until they crash through the window, that's mm-hmm. what to me made it work. Yeah, it, it's little touches like like that, and you know, even before they they get thrown outside, we get to see Sabine like during her fight outside and beforehand. We get to see Sabine use all of the tools that were given to her by mm-hmm. Fen Rao in the last episode. So she at one point uses her repulsor and and pushes one of Saxon's mandos against the wall, which which I enjoyed. Uh, or, you know, her, her blaster is knocked away. And so Ezra just throws her his lightsaber and we get to see Sabine fight with a lightsaber, which is really cool and, and, and really paid off all of her training in the last episode. And she's able to, you know, defend her mother just before Saxon jumps in with the dark saber and, you know, almost cuts her down. Uh, and, and, you know, so, so clan Rin kind of, manages to clean up the rest of the traitorous Mandalorians uh, while Sabine and Saxon uh, duel it out uh, outside um, in, in the snow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
Ursa refuses to to stop the two and intervene because it's it's the man by Mandalorian custom and law, no one can interfere. Even when Kanan asks her if customs are more important than her daughter's life, mm-hmm. and she just does not respond. Now, what I thought was really cool with the fighting that was taking place on that frozen lake, I kind of expected at some point, because of the ice cracking, which was a great effect as it was, but oh, somebody yeah. at one point was going to fall through, or something. Yeah, was gonna I was to surprised by that. Yeah, or like slice your lightsaber into the exactly into the snow into the ground. Be, yes, r- right. Yeah, or like I, would the heat of the blades like start to make the ice crack, and not just the force of their. I what I was hoping to see is you know there was a, all that conversation between uh, Kanan and Sabine last episode, and I thought this was going to be kind of a flashback to you know it's not just about you know sh- attacking your opponent, it's also about understanding your environment, mm-hmm. and have that be kind of the critical flaw that. Gar Saxon misses and that lets yep. Sabine get the upper hand and win. Mm-hmm. But instead, she we don't best him as a swordsman anyway, so it kind of works. Yeah, we don't really see why, but but she did get to use all of her weapons at her disposal. You know, deflector shields, flamethrowers, her darts. Uh, you know, Saxon's flying around with a jetpack until Sabine finally destroys it. So it's like a, it's a, it's a very cool fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked how they're they're not as powerful as. You know, two Jedi fighting with lightsabers. You can tell they're not quite up there, mm-hmm. but the fact they have all these other weapons at their disposal really helps a lot. And I loved the inclusion of Sabine's theme uh, and the Force theme, and we kind of mm-hmm. go back and forth between the Force theme and Sabine's theme, which is which is very nice as well. Well, that was one thing when you go back to last episode. Kanan did tell her that she's going to have to use all her tools to defend and keep the dark saber. So she did use everything, like you mentioned. All the Mandalorian tools she had, she used. And mm-hmm. then you have to bring in a lightsaber to that as well. So she used yeah. everything the way she was supposed to. But the way they ended that fight, to end it uh, to end it the same way of Anakin and Dooku at the end of Revenge of the Sith to where Gar Saxon yeah. was defeated, and she had the darksaber and lightsaber at his throat— I mean, you're you're looking you're looking at her mother, and it's like you almost you almost want to see her in her mom's eye. It's like finish him, finish him. Mm-hmm. Well, she said that I thought, didn't she? I don't. I I can't honestly. I was <laughs> I I was so involved. I did not know if she said finish him. I I was watching the fight. I don't remember that. Yeah. Well, I know you definitely had. I think it was someone was saying she should have done it or looking at her, and she makes a comment about you know that. You know, this is the Mandalorian right. way, but it's not my way. Right. I mean, right. Not anymore. Yeah. And so she, she she walks away from him. She decides not to kill him, uh, which was interesting. And, you know, I, I mean, yes, there she's killed many, many Imperials over, you know, over the over the seasons. But Gar Saxon is the one she decides she does not want to. She does not want to kill. Mm-hmm. And I found it interesting as well that. You know, at the beginning of the of the of the episode, or oh, sorry, midway through the episode, her mom said that you know she didn't rightfully win the dark saber in combat; she just Correct. stole it, and mm-hmm. so it's not legitimately hers. If you notice, she didn't use the dark saber in this fight, right? Gar Saxon uh, took yep. it, so she actually did now finally best someone who wielding the dark saber in combat, and now it is rightfully hers. Mm-hmm. 
That is uh, nice. It's a good touch. Very yeah. It, it, it is. It is. And, and she ultimately ended up with the Darksaber. Now, uh, it, it, it was at this point, it was at this point, she ended up with the Darksaber. She spared his life. She starts mm-hmm. walking away. Now, this, I thought, was brilliantly directed and brilliantly animated because you see you see Gar Saxon kind of like, okay, I have the opportunity. I'm going to shoot her in the back. Oh, sorry, actually. one I almost forgot about this. Sorry but before about we Go get ahead. to that, okay. mm-hmm. uh, was I the only one who thought that Sabine chopped off his hand? No. <laughs> Not like Dooku? <laughs> no. No. So I, what I saw was she, like, strikes his hand when she disarms him, and then he's cr- clutching it to his side for quite a while. Oh, no. I think I think she just grazed his yeah, hand. Yeah, she grazed his hand. She did, because they later, disarm. when he... The reason I bring it up now is because when he goes to shoot, you can see he's just clutching his hand. Right. And nothing bad actually happened to it. But I was, for a moment, I almost thought Rebels went there. Okay. Oh, no, I, I did not. Yeah. I, I okay. Yeah, that, to, to me, that whole section went by so quick because, like I said, I, I was so focused on the, the, the beautifully directed, beautifully animated. Mm-hmm. You see Guard get up, and then you hear a shot. And the look on her face, you're like, on honestly, oh, no. It didn't happen, but when she turns around, oh, and it's, but it did. Oh, right. well, you get the, you get the shot of Sabine's face. That's right. That's what I mean. Yeah, Gar Saxon's face, face. and yeah. then Sabine's face again. And it's the close up, and it's I, I'll say it's fairly typical. It's a very typical shot for films, right? Uh, it's not the first time I've seen something done like that, but it was still executed very, very it, well. It was executed so well, and then you see the hole in his chest, and he just crumbles mm-hmm. over, and then to find out. It was her mom that did it. And I just love it to where she's like, no one threatens our family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about standing yeah, up for your daughter after all these years. A, a perfect arc for Sabine, a perfect yep. arc for Ursa as well in this episode. Yep. She's come so far yep. in the last few years. Um, and, you know, to, to see Sabine defeat Saxon, not kill him and then let have her mom do it kind of like it it shows that yeah her mom really is trying to protect her family her mom's not afraid to finally go against gar saxon um and uh it shows that sabine doesn't necessarily want to kill unless she has to either Mm -hmm. i'm surprised though she should have at least disarmed gar saxon before walking away (laughs) that's how it's supposed to happen but you know thinking about it Anyway, but with the with the death of Gar Saxon, the all of Mandalore will now be in total chaos. Um, you know, Ur- Ursa thinks the chaos might be good for Mandalore; they're there to become strong again. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you think we'll do you think we'll see uh, more of of Mandalore in the future? Filoni was hinting it. Well, I mean, Sabine is as of this moment not in the show. Yeah, okay. she's she's staying on Mandalore, so that either means we get no more Sabine, or well, we that return was to Mandalore. Okay, okay, so yeah, so you mentioned the big the big moment, which I was not expecting for this episode at all. No, it completely you... blindsided me. I was watching. I was like, wait, wait, what just happened? She did what? And much like Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order, mm-hmm. Sabine decided that. You know, they need to find a leader worthy worthy of their people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's not done running away. Her father's on Mandalore. 
and she needs to find a way to get him back. And then maybe once they rescue her father and, and kind of free Mandalore and they, they find a new from, from the empire's grip and they find a new Mandalore uh, to a person, a new person to be the Mandalore and, and lead their people. Uh, maybe then she can rejoin the fight against the rebels. But for now she can do more good on Cronist and Mandalore and she stays behind. Mm-hmm. She's left the show effectively. Okay. But I don't think we're going to see the end of her. <clears throat> Sorry, maybe the season. We're not going to see the end of the Mandalorians because even Dave Filoni teased that we will see Bo-Katan again because he likes working with Katie Sackhoff. And even she said she's coming back. So, Well, yeah, she's got to be the new Mandalore, right? However, you that's think gonna, so? I however, think that's, that's what's going to happen. Because remember, she was originally supposed to be the leader of Mandalore in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the Clone Wars, uh, had the Clone Wars continued, Ahsoka would have gone to, uh, to to Mandalore, led the fight against Maul, and then they um, she would have put Bo-Katan as the leader of Mandalore. So maybe they're kind of transitioning that storyline and uh, pushing it off to, to Rebels. Mm-hmm. But, oh, man, like, you still just, yeah, still was totally not not expecting this. I do think we'll see more of Mandalore, but not this season. I don't, I don't uh, think we're going to, like, uh, we're on what, is episode, this the end? Six, episode 16? This is episode 16, and so if you look at the list of upcoming episodes, um, there's there's 22 episodes this season. We're, we're looking at... Um, next is, um, well, maybe, maybe they might be able to do it in episode 17. I thought I had the description for 17. Next week, we'll talk about that in a little bit. It looks like a fun episode. This should be interesting. Uh, episode 18 is Secret Cargo. 19 is Double Agent Droid. 20 is Twin Sons. And then, very interesting there, Twin Sons. And then Zero Hour, part one and two, uh, to finish off the season on March 25th. So I don't like it, it looking at the episode descriptions and I'm not going to read them all right now just cuz I don't want to spoil anybody who might be um not interested uh, n- not interested in, in knowing that but there's a uh, there's no there's no room for Sabine unless she like flies in at the last minute in some episode to save people but I feel like that would be cheap like we need to see her story of you know what happens to her on Mandalore so if that's the well, case, well, to to put it another way, uh, figure we've got we're gonna need at least two episodes to deal with Mandalore. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think is probably reasonable, but we also probably need two episodes to deal with Darth Maul and Ben, which we know is coming. Yep, and yep. there's the Thrawn. Yep, and Thrawn. Yeah. So, so I, I think we're gonna have one episode about on Tatooine. That's Twin Sons. We're gonna have the two episode finale with Thrawn. We're gonna need to. We're gonna need to find out what happens to Agent Callus. Right? Yeah, we might see something or a start of that next week. And there's gonna be yes, and there's gonna be one or two more miscellaneous episodes left in the season. Uh, one is like a, a comedic thriller with uh, Chopper and AP Five and Wedge, and one is. Um, I don't know what secret cargo is going to be about, 
Um, yeah. But that one looks interesting as well. Not not Mandalorian related. We'll find out when that episode airs. Yeah, actually yeah. here. So so for those of you who don't want to hear the episode descriptions, skip a, skip ahead like thirty seconds. Um, so we'll read the we'll read the through Imperial Eyes description at the end of the show. But that's the can, uh, the Callus episode, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so skip ahead like sixty seconds, thirty seconds, something like that. Um, starting now. So, Secret Cargo is March 4th. When a routine refueling mission goes wrong, the Ghost crew finds themselves transporting an important rebel leader across the galaxy, pursued by Imperial warships. Uh, the next week is Double Agent Droid, Chopper, and AP-5 team to infiltrate an Imperial station to steal needed codes. But an Imperial specialist turns the droids against the crew to cause chaos. Then Twin Sons, reacting to a vision of Maul, Ezra defies Hera and Kanan to travel to a remote planet in hopes of stopping the former Sith Lord from carrying out his plans. That's the Obi-Wan episode. Yep. And then lastly, Zero Hour. In final preparations for the attack on Lothal, Phoenix Squadron's plans are disrupted when Grand Admiral Thrawn discovers the location. So, so I guess Sabine, Sabine is out then, I guess. Unless she's going to make a surprise appearance with yeah. the Mandalorian Yeah, there's fleet. episode 17, and for some reason I don't see... I don't see episode 17. I thought I had the description for that, but I don't see it. Um, but yeah, like we're pretty much out of out of episodes i don't know where they go next yeah. oh i'm sorry 17 did i say yeah 17 is next week i had it written down wrong okay. in my in my notes uh so yeah, yeah. That, that's that's I'm, all the episodes i agree sabine's out for the season i guess the question is is there maybe a season four i think there is i mean they're better so if there's no end to the sabine saga that's so I've that's, I've that's heard, pretty pretty not good of them. I mean, you could end it there, um, but I have, have heard end. from reliable sources that I I believe there will be a season four, uh, unless Disney cancels it or something at the last minute. But you know, in the case of the Clone Wars, they canceled the Clone Wars because they had just acquired Lucasfilm. They wanted to start fresh. They wanted to take the show in a new direction. I feel like Disney has planned things out so well at this point. They're not going to just cancel the show unless it's like tanking for them. And we know the rebels is not tanking, right? Yep. Um, The show is doing well. And so they're going to, they're going to walk in and say, okay guys, you know, Dave, uh, you've got rebels. That's going to run through season one, season one through season four. You're going to set up, you know, rogue one. You're going to tie into this. You're going to do that. And then you're going to introduce, you know, maybe you'll introduce Thrawn and um, and then uh, we'll wrap it up at the end of season four. And then we'll introduce this new show that will go run alongside like the sequel trilogy, for example. I'm just making things up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe set like post Jedi and set things up for the sequels. Uh, and, or maybe you'll have a Mandalorian spinoff television show. Or like I feel like they have this planned out so well. They know oh, yeah. when things are going to end. Now, I do believe that, that Rebels is, is ending. At the end of season four, I think that's the last. End, that's the last season. Mm-hmm. And I think, and Stephen, you and I were talking about this recently. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're going to announce a new show at Celebration. You know what? Uh, I, I agree. You know what I'd love yep. to see? I would love to see a show that takes place in the old Republic. That I don't think will too. happen for a while. Uh, <laughs> I agree. <well>. <laughs> I, I agree with you, especially because I started replaying the Old Republic today. Sorry, Star Wars: The Old Republic, the mm-hmm. MMO. Uh, but, uh, so to walk, we're way off the episode now, but I don't really care anymore. Well, we're going to get <laughs> uh, on to our thoughts pretty, pretty soon. Yeah. 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 So we know that 
they must before episode seven they couldn't touch this anything post episode six because until episode seven was out that was just that had to be a black box right now that we have episode seven though there's no reason to hide it anymore mm-hmm. like you could easily do a post episode six story you've got a little bit of aftermath kind of giving you the some pieces of things mm-hmm. it's totally doable like you could do and, luke's journey to find information about the job I don't think we would have any of the big characters, I'll say. But uh, I don't think so. But but like I was saying, like, there's enough mystery post Jedi that you could do all sorts of things. You could do a rebellion. Yeah. You could do a show about rebellion, the rebel pilots. You could do a show about like, X-wing style. You could do, yeah. uh, you know, something about Luke there's or some not- other thing happening at, at post Jedi. There, there's, there's lots, many lots possibilities. And, and I would. I want to pick up on what you just said. If it's not the old Republic, I would love to see an X-Wing series. Oh, I would kill for that. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, there was that there was that rumor many, many, many years anyone, ago. If it, well, hang on. If there's anyone from Lucasfilm listening, yeah. when I say I would kill for that, I'm very, I mean it literally. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be done. Send your comments to... Just kidding. Um, <laughs> shall, shall we, shall we even do? just volunteer to be a hitman. Uh, I, so I, there's I want nothing to do with this. I want nothing. Make to it do even better. This. Written by Michael Stackpole. I I am there. I want nothing to do with this. I think we should get into our overall nope, thoughts. Tom, you were uh, part of this conversation. You're, uh, what is it? An accomplice? <laughs> you're complicit. So, <laughs> so look for Cal Scarada. Uh, anyway. anyway. But yeah. but speaking with comic book news, um, Dave Filoni did say that Sabine was not originally supposed to leave. Uh, she wasn't supposed to be the first to leave, at least. Just like Ahsoka wasn't supposed to leave the Jedi originally. But it just worked the best that way for the show. It would have been weird to have her come home after all this time, defeat Gar Saxon, destabilize Mandalore, and be like, well, see you guys. I'm out. Uh, and so, uh, you know, since they're all about family, she really had to stay. And I, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. This was one of the complaints we had about Zeb returning uh, back to his, you know, finding his people, right? We yeah, never yeah. got to see them. He goes home and was like, well, um, let me get back on the ghost and never mention them again. Right? Minor details. Yeah. You know, just thought my entire species was dead except for me. Yeah. And then, oh, look, there they are. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the nice thing, though, is it's by by leaving the Rebels, we're going to see that there's, you know, it kind of shows that there's a lot more happening in the galaxy than just the rebellion. Mm-hmm. It's a big, important piece, but it's not, it's not, not the, the only, only thing that's happening. And, and so, uh, you know, Filoni, he knows that Sabine's a beloved character. And I don't think she's on the level of an Ahsoka, uh, but people love Sabine. And he says, you know, he's, he's quote, brought characters back from much further depths than simply, I want to spend time with my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, yeah. and he says, I actually had to sew Darth Maul back together somehow. Hmm. <laughs> so point. it's very possible Good we point. haven't seen the last of Sabine. Now, um, but, but here's, here's the thing that they just introduced into this. They introduced a very different dynamic of the ghost crew. Yes. Because they are now missing a they're missing a member of the crew to man a gun. They're mm-hmm. missing the explosive effort, uh, e- effort, uh-huh. the explosives expert. Thank you. Um, again, that's Cal Scarada at just kidding. Um, so <laughs> th- there's, there will be a hole in the crew. 
that I, I hope there will be some dealing with and see with these last couple last few episodes how they will deal with it. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think it's gonna be that big of an issue. I I'd like really? to think about, see. You really think about it? Most of the episodes of Rebels we get don't feature the entire crew. Which is in true. fact, I'd argue they're they're the they're there, crew. but they're usually off in the background on you know. But yeah, but I, exactly. I agree. But the dynamic changed. The dynamic yeah. in this has changed. Well, it you're does. not you're never going to have that, you know, Sabine and Ezra connection. Yes. Or um, that's very. You know, there's a lot of that stuff that we we won't get anymore, and six episodes plus is a long time to go without a main uh, character. Yeah. Without one of the main characters, right? That's that's a pretty pretty that's, long time. That's a long haul. So, uh, it's, a, it's a you know a full, um, well, it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, over almost a third of a season, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but but by having her leave for that long, they'll really cement how big of a decision this was for her. And so I, I hope they, in some ways they don't bring her back before the end of the season. Um, as much as I want to see her again, I just, we just need another, we, we need the season four. Yep. To find out what happens. Yep. I'll agree with that. Man, big, uh, big change. Yep. Even the Clone Wars really didn't like Ahsoka left, but, it was it was already the end of the series and, and and the clone wars always had these these things where they would jump around and be a lot more experimental i felt like i don't feel like rebels is as experimental as the clone wars ever was no because it was a straight ahead story well, because, right. yeah. exactly yeah clone, clone wars, wars was like let's go over here and tell this random story in this completely other you know completely different set of characters it doesn't have clone to wars had a larger cast, cast but with a but they were less together most of the time. Right. And and also it was yeah. one huge story arc that you could tell small stories in that arc. Whereas this is one story because yeah. you, you go all the way back to Greg Weissman. Greg Weissman said rebels is set up with a beginning, middle and an end. Clone Wars was set up as one big story. You knew where the ending was, but right. there were all the little stories in between. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So. Ratings. So I'm I'm very curious to see where they take this. Let's get to our ratings, and yeah. then we'll discuss through Imperial Eyes, because that's going to be a, a very interesting episode next week. Yep. So with that, Tom, do you want to go first? I'm going to go first. I enjoyed the episode. Um, I I want to see where they're going with this going forward. I want to. I I'm I'm happy that there are now more clans, and probably there's still some pacifists out there somewhere. But at least we're getting some action yeah. out of the Mandalorians. So I am giving this a nine. Uh, I did love the episode. I like the character development of Sabine through this arc. And I am really sad to uh, probably we'll see her in the future at some point, if there is a season four or whatever going forward, but I'm sorry to see her going at this point in season three. Um, But it was a solid episode and I enjoyed it. Um, So I'm giving the sucker a nine. Um, Steven, Steven, you want to go next? Sure. Uh, so for me, I think I'm going to have to give it an 8 out of 10 with uh, 8 Womp Rats. And for me, I think I'd, I did really enjoy the episode. The one thing that bothered me is I just I felt like Gar Saxon's plan was just not there. As mm-hmm. I said. <laughs> um, and it it bothered me a little bit. Um, but other than that, I, I totally agree. This was one of the best episodes I think we've had in a while. Um, 
and I really, really Barring enjoyed the, it. the previous episode, which was yes. more amazing. Yes. Uh, um, personally. But yeah. I'm trying to think. Well, Sorry, I completely interrupted. Oh, that was the, the, training. the training. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'd actually disagree. I like this. Really? I think I like this one more. Okay. Okay. That's I fair. don't remember what I gave that episode. Hopefully it was lower than an eight. Um, uh, but, I hope you, uh, gave lower than eight. you gave it uh, You gave it a nine. <laughs> well, okay. In that case, I will just have to give this episode a nine because it was better. I thought it was better than the previous episode, and I gave the previous episode a nine. Um, and my scoring is apparently not as consistent as I would like it to be. Uh, but my nine Womp Rats, so Chopper kind of disappeared for most of this episode. Uh, turns out he was just busy playing with some Womp Rats. Okay. That's all it was. Nine Womp Rats in the ghost, or in the, wow. yeah, in the ghost with him. And, hanging uh, out, chilling, having a good time. And I believe I forgot, and, uh, I forgot to do something yeah. with my Womp Rats. So my, my nine Womp Rats, um... They were actually on the ice, and they were actually ice skating around Gar Saxon and uh, Sabine when they were doing the fight. The one thing we did not see, the ice actually did crack at a certain point that left a hole, and they all fell in. So That's Were they sad. popping up like, what's that game, you know, like where you're trying to smack the... Oh, oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, they basically just froze. No, no oh, they okay. just froze and sank. Too bad. Yeah, they they, they, um, they were, were womp rat cubes. <laughs> That's do they, do they put them in their drinks? <laughs> hey, you said it. I didn't. You said it. I didn't. Hey, just to be clear, that is a delicacy on some worlds, William. How dare you judge? Have you I ever had? Judging. If you'd had frozen womp rat, you would know just how great it is. I'm more partial to fried womp rat personally, but you know. I mean, who isn't? But that's okay. Frozen womp rat has its place too, oh, especially on a planet like uh, this one where you know there's a lot of ice. Yeah, it's also a lot very, like, you know, it's also a lot very popular in wow. carbonite with his oh, hands hot. up, you know, against the against the the edge, except that it's just you know ice, um, so you can see him perfectly. Wow. But anyway, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I, I think I'm gonna agree with Tom, and I guess Stephen now that he changed his his review score. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> unless you're retroactively updating your old score, um, oh, I, I, I thought that episode was great. I, I, I like Trials of the Dark Saber more personally, uh, and that's why I gave that one a ten. Uh, but this one was just really, really good. You, you felt the emotion. And the um, like, and, and how hard it was for Sabine to come home and you know face her family, and there were some nice twists and turns. Ultimately, yes, the the final decision that her her mom and her brother made was a bit predictable, but I'm okay with that, right? It doesn't have to be unpredictable. I'm, I'm glad that they came around to her side and that they defeated Gar Saxon in the end. Which was uh, which was great, um, so yeah. So I, I'm gonna give it nine Womp Rats out of ten. Uh, I again, I liked how they, they tied everything in. Beautiful visuals, uh, very exciting, and the the complete shock of Sabine leaving the ghost. And and I'm very curious to see how this impacts the series going forward now that she's no longer part of the a crew or or a series regular. So. Yeah. Um, so with that, I'm gonna give this nine Womp Rats out of ten, and 
my Womp Rats, um, man, you guys are both so nice with your Womp Rats. I feel like I have to, like, nice. do something. My, mine fell through the ice and became Womp Rat Sickles. Or Womp Rat <laughs> Ice Cubes. That was mine, nice. I mean, I, mine had a fun time with Chopper, but you know Chopper, so. That's true. It's not, partic- it's not that nice. It's not usually pretty nice, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, but uh, my nine Womp Rats, so they were actually in reserve in case um, in case Gar Saxon did not have enough troops. Because you said, they were, you didn't, you should have brought more forces. Um, but uh, they were actually eliminated before they could even enter the building. So, uh, fortunately, sense. the Womp Rats did not survive. Cool. Yeah. So, the next episode. This one. Season three, episode seven. Through Imperial Eyes. Now, did you guys watch the trailer for this episode? Yes. I have not. You have not? Oh. Oh, man. You got to go watch can it. I, can, I, can I read uh, the synopsis? Yes, please okay. do. All right. So we've got coming. Go watch. Yeah. You, you, you've got to check this out. But uh, coming out. Well, I, like I, I, I think I saw a GIF of it. Does that count? No. And it's the last 20 seconds of Rebels Recon. Yep. Um, okay. Definitely so, recommend Anyway, Steven uh, or Tom, go ahead and. Okay. Um... Yeah, so so here here we have What's... it. We have season three, episode seventeen, through Imperial Eyes. Fearing that the identity of a spy will soon be discovered by the Empire, the Rebels launch a plan to save him before he is caught. Now, as William said, go check out the latest episode of Rebels Recon. I think if you go to our Facebook page, I did post it there. Um, Watch the end because the last, let's say, 20, 30, whatever seconds of it, they show a clip of what's to come. I am looking forward to this because this looks like it is a first person through the eyes of basically an Imperial officer. So, so when they, when they, when the, I saw the episode was titled Through Imperial Eyes, yeah. I did not think that it would literally be Through Imperial Eyes. Yeah. Do, and do, do we... th- this is going to be our Callus episode, right? We're going to find out, I hope, uh, what happens to Callus. Is he caught by Thrawn or not? Are the walls closing in around him? And it's literally going to be through, through his, his eyes. eyes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I just I... watched that it while we were talking. That I'm impressed. So remember how I'm... earlier in the episode I was saying... I don't feel like Rebels has been as experimental as the Clone Wars. This is way more experimental in many ways. But I think in this case, this is going to work. If they they are going to pull this off, but if this is pulled off correctly, I don't know how, if it, it's going to be perfect. You can build a lot of tension, and it, it could it could be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Steven, I think so you had a thought. Sorry, we interrupted you. Yeah, uh, I was going to say I I would be surprised if the entire episode is like that you know, literally through his eyes, but I am prepared to be uh, proven wrong, so. I kind of hope it is. Like, I feel like that's such a cool concept. I mean, as someone who plays a lot of games that are in the first-person perspective, I'm always curious to see something like this try to get pulled off, because it's it's not easy. No, I know a couple of movies have tried it in the past. Yeah. Uh, um, But uh, But in this case, it's not a movie. This case, it's a lot... It's only going to be 22 minutes. So there's a good possibility it's going to work yeah. beautifully if it's done right. Like, honestly, what I'm imagining is like probably not much of a, you know, the crew of the ghost unless Kane Callus somehow um, He's got runs into them. them. I, I would love this whole episode is just like just him 
right? Uh, no other points of view, just like, you know, basically one long shot mm-hmm. of through his eyes and what happens and how he avoids the Empire. I think it could be really cool. And just even seeing some of the things like the animation, like, you know, he he opens the door and the, 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 the stormtrooper runs up and it's like, sir, and like gives some sort of brief report. Callus walks back into his room, looks down at the sink and you see the water in the sink, which is some cool animation there. Mm-hmm. He looks up at the glass in the, in the mirror and, and, and there is, you know, you see Callus's face like, man, I, I think that'll be a great episode. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited. Yeah. And I just want to see like, will Callus be discovered? You know, it'd be a twist. If basically the Imperial spy, the I mean the Rebel spy they're looking for, is actually somebody else, that well, would I, be a hell of a twist. Alice has already helped them a number of times. No, I, I I know I know, but but oh I see. Like there was a second spy. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, so I'll say I am still not at all convinced that Thrawn knows Callus is the spy. So. Oh, I think I think Thrawn knows, and I think Thrawn's you. Uh, I mean. So the, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm going to stand by. I think he might suspect. I don't think he knows. Oh, this is Thrawn. So, yeah, but you're thinking EU Thrawn. Uh, I'm, still thinking, anyway. I'm still thinking it's Thrawn. Yeah, I know. Anyway, so next week? Next talk, week? Talk to everybody next week? I mean, I think we're yep. about wrapping up. Yeah, that's it. I, I, I'm really looking forward to this episode, so... Yeah. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on this show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.